Today, I'm speaking with Ben Pridmore, a three-time world memory champion and the first person to ever memorize a deck of cards in under 30 seconds. If you want to be notified of future episodes of The Human Podcast, please consider subscribing. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for watching. Ben, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, thanks. So Ben, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, could you tell me a bit about what you've achieved in the kind of comp- competitive mem- memorization world, like your rankings and the competitions and, and records and this kind of thing? I won the World Memory Championship three times, 2004, 2008, 2009. I've been UK Memory Champion, ooh, I can't remember how many times. It all blurs into one. <laughs> I was the first person to memorise a pack of cards in under 30 seconds. That was considered the really cool, holy grail kind of unattainable thing back in the olden days. I used to hold lots of records for memorising numbers, cards, binary digits, even for memorising a poem once. I want to ask you about how this all kind of started. So first of all, what were you like as a, a child? Was your memory good? What were you interested in when um, were you like? My memory wasn't at all special as a child. It's something I learned when I was, ooh, what, 23? I, I, as a child, I was unexceptional, nerdy kind of person, I suppose, but not particularly famous for memory or anything like that. I do have friends I went to school with. One of them says, one time I memorised a poem, Macavity the Mystery Cat, I'll have been 12 years old, for a school show which I'd forgotten about completely. And another person I went to school with, that's something I'd also forgotten. We played a memory game in class one day for some reason nobody can remember. And I won that. I was the best in the school. But it didn't really strike me at the time that memory is anything I'm particularly good at. Mm. And memory techniques themselves, the things we do to memorise a pack of cards, they're something you have to learn and work on Mm. rather than something you're naturally great at. Mm -hmm. When did you first get properly interested in, in, in kind of taking this seriously and, and how did you get interested in, in this kind of thing? Well, we're sitting here in a hotel near London Waterloo Station, which is very much where the whole thing started, because back in 1997, in July, August, something like that, there was the first edition of an event called the Mind Sports Olympiad, which was like an Olympic Games for thinking competitions. There were memory competitions, mental calculation, all that kind of thing. There were board games, chess drafts more obscure things like that, card games as well, other strange events. I went along to the first one in 97, mainly to compete in what they called the World Intelligence Championship, which was IQ tests. I was a member of Mensa at the time. I joined Mensa when I was 17, just so I could show off to people about it. I found that hanging out with other Mensa members is no fun because they all want to show about off about themselves instead of talk about how great I am. So I'm not a member anymore, but I still got Mensa magazine in those days, and that's how I heard this my sports olympiad was happening i went along to that there was the world memory championship in those days was held as part of the mind sports olympiad i didn't pay any real attention to it the first year in 1998 i heard that andy bell who was one of the coolest memory people at the time had memorized a pack of cards in i think 34.13 seconds which i thought was pretty amazing i bought myself a pack of cards that evening and sat down to see how long it would take me to memorize a pack of cards it took me 47, 48 minutes, I think it was, mm. because I was memorising, right, two of hearts, three of clubs, four of spades, 
close my eyes wide to say which went two about three. I'd heard of memory techniques. I'd seen an article in a magazine at the Mind Sports Olympiad talking about turning cards into pictures of people and objects, visualising them along a mental journey. I didn't believe it. I thought it was something someone made up to sell books. It couldn't possibly work. And that the people who memorised cards in competitions must be doing it the same way I did, just reading them, reciting it back by road. It was two years later that I went along to the Mind Sports Olympiad again and because I had a gap in my schedule I took part in the World Memory Championships. Again on the first day I thought I was still going into it memorising by vote but I got talking to some of the other competitors and said no this whole images thing it does actually work. Mm. So I bought a book that night evening of the first day of the competition it was Tony Buzan's Use Your Memory or Master Your Memory something like that dreamed up a system, allocated images to cards, started using it. Instantly I could memorise a pack of cards much faster than I could before. It actually does work. It took me seven minutes, which is not quick, but by the standard of what I was doing before, it was pretty amazing. Mm. I, was, I was hooked from that point on. Mm. I didn't come quite last in the World Memory Championships. <laughs> I think there were 20 competitors and I came 16th, so mm. I could see there was scope to come better keep doing it so I sat down knuckled down practiced worked on it for a good few years went to competitions there weren't many of them in those days back in 2003 I sat down and worked on a better system something that would make things quicker and more efficient and sat down and worked on that and eventually won the championship in 2004. What do you think about memorization um, the, the, what do you think it, that it is about memorization that interests you so much? Why are you so hooked on uh, on doing this? I can't say exactly. It was just something that I saw it because it was there. There was a challenge. People wanted to achieve these things. I could see that if I sat down and worked on it, I could actually do that. I didn't seriously think I could win the world championship until something like 2002, 2003. But I decided to sit down and work on it seriously. Come up with what they call the Ben system and practice on that. And by the time I'd done that, I could see if I really sat down and did a lot of work, I could end up being the world champion. And that was, I mean, there wasn't much fame and fortune behind it, if any, but it was an achievement. It was something to tick off my list and feel happy about. So how did you like plan and prepare to, when you decided you want to become world champion to, to get there, how long did that take and what was your method of uh, practice? Well, it was late 2002 or early 2003, I first really started working on my system and then it's just what I had I created images for each pair of cards so each two card combination so I had 2704 images in my mind so it was there was quite a lot of you know learning that list of images running through them in my head making sure I could say them quickly and apart from that practice is just sitting down memorizing cards memorizing long numbers the thing about memory championship that a lot of people don't practice for or didn't in those days anyway is the long disciplines the one hour you have one hour to memorise as many packs of cards as you can, as long a number. Not many people have the dedication to sit down and practice that, but it helps with all sides of things. Once I, When I started, obviously, it's impossible to keep the concentration going for that long, but the more you do it, the more it, it becomes easy to focus on one thing for long periods of time. And that's the one... People often say that memory helps with lots of other aspects of your life. I've never really bought that so much, but sitting down focus concentration for long periods of time, that's something that I've really improved on by training for the World Championships. Mm. And 
tell me about some of the different kind of um, feats that you competed in. So memorizing a deck of cards, memorizing pi, binary digits. What are, what are some of the things you've done? A deck of cards was the classic memory challenge. This goes back to way before my time, before the World Memory Championships even existed. It used to be a thing. People would memorize a pack of cards as fast as possible. There were people who did it in two and a half minutes and people thought that was amazing. It wasn't until competitions came along that people saw that they could do it much faster than that. But cards is the classic one. Binary digits I always liked, ones and zeros, just because it's amazing to be able to memorize a string of 4,000 and something ones and noughts. Mm. It's easier than you think because you can concentrate into them. I look at each 10 digit chunk of binary and I've got an image in my head for those. Is your favourite one memorising the deck of cards? Is that Cards I think will always be my favourite. Binary always came a sort of close second favourite. Mm-hmm. Numbers I like as well. I'm not so good at that as I am at some of the other things. Mm-hmm. There are other competitions in memory events. Memorising names and faces is the one that I'm famously bad at. I'm hopeless at names and faces. I can never remember what people look like. I can never remember what their names are. I know your name's Joe. I think your surname's Murray, but I want to call you Joe Miller. I've been thinking Joe Miller all, all this time. Joe Murray is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got it at least. But yeah, if I call you Miller, don't be too upset. Yeah. So I think you said the Ben system is what the, your technique for memorizing cards has been. Named. That's right. Can you tell us a little bit more about your, your technique and exactly how you do it? Well, it's not really a system in its own right. In the early days, I used to complain when people started calling it the Ben system because I thought that's a really silly thing to stop, call it. But then they stopped calling it that and I was sort of upset. So I said, no, yeah, please go ahead, call it the Ben system. But it's basically an expansion of what they call the major system. It's just about turning the things you're memorising into pictures and it's an alphabetic code. So when you're looking at a three-digit number, for example, the first digit is a consonant sound, the second digit is a vowel, the third is a um, another consonant. So one, six, nine, one means to, six means a, nine means b, so I imagine a table. And you can see how my imagination works because I was struggling for an example under there's a table in front of us now, mm-hmm. but that's one. And three, eight, seven would be microphone because mm-hmm. three is m, eight is i, seven is k. So how many different images and locations along a route do you actually have memorised to help you perform this? I have 2,704 images memorised. That's enough for each combination of two playing cards. And obviously I use a 1,000 of those same images for numbers and 1,024 of those same images for binary digits. So I do them in chunks of 10, as I said. And these locations throughout... um... These, these locations that you use to, to walk around and help visualise these objects, where are these based? I think one of them is your grandmother's house, one's not, is another one not in them. That's right, I said that in an yeah. interview once, my grandma's house in Toten. That's one yeah. of, I think, 68 journeys I've got in my mind at the moment. Yeah. They're all 26 locations long. Some of them are, there are multiple ones around different places. There's one around Kingston upon Thames, which is another place I've been nostalgic about being back in Waterloo, because that's the way you get the train to go out to there. I was a student there in 94, 95. And so I have a couple of journeys around there. I have plenty around Nottingham, Derby places where I've lived, houses where I've lived in the past, the house I grew up in, more recent places I've lived, mm. places I've worked as well. All, any, all it really needs is locations. You could say have a room here, outside in the corridor, down the hall into another room. I like the ones when they go upstairs or there's a bit of variation in the route, so they may going up along, sideways, down. It makes them easier to remember. Hmm. How, how often do you have to mentally 
revisit these locations in order to avoid forgetting them, or do you think they're drilled into your head? They're not uh, drilled into my head as much as they should be. The very earliest ones are my f- the first the first four journeys that I have on my list. I can do pretty much straight away. I've been I've not been doing memory stuff as much or as rigidly as often as I should be just lately, and I'm finding that some of the later journeys when I try to use them, I I can't figure out where all the places are. I have to sit down and think hard about them beforehand if i was practicing regularly they'd be set in my brain mm-hmm. as it is some of them are a bit vague and dodgy mm-hmm. you still competed a little bit these days and how, I... how have you done generally since since 2009 yeah <laughs> i'm sure you competed and i've competed fairly regularly i like to go to competitions i used to jet all around the world they've obviously been on hold for the last couple of years but things are starting to pop up again mm-hmm. i don't tend to win but i do respectably mm-hmm. i do better than a lot of the people who are taking part in them I went to France a few years ago. I, I forget when exactly. I always forget things like that. But I came second behind the guy who's probably the best in the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. A long way behind. But I was still ahead of everybody else who was mm-hmm. taking part. So it was still quite a happy achievement. Mm-hmm. Do you still practice or perform memorization like in your free time because you enjoy it? Or was it purely like a competitive enterprise you, when, you, when you're interested? I don't in practice very much anymore. I still compete now and then. We have a thing called Memory League online, which is a wonderful innovation. You're competing head to head. You memorize, you have one minute to memorize a pack of cards or a 80 digit number or 50 words. Or there's a couple of other events as well. There's 30 images and there's names and faces which as i've mentioned i'm terrible at but you have one minute maximum to memorize four minutes to recall and it's who can do the fastest time and get all of the images right i there's, we have regular competitions in that online mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of trusting people not to cheat obviously but mm-hmm. it's all a very friendly kind of thing mm-hmm. and i still do that but apart from that i've not been practicing longer memorization tasks for quite a long time now so you you had the world record at one point for the deck of cards. It was in 26 seconds? 26.28, I think I did. And then I improved that to 24.97. And you said the current world record, though, has improved on that slightly. The current world record has improved on it considerably. Yeah. I don't remember what it is, but 15 seconds is a good time for the top competitors nowadays. Yeah. How, what's the lowest you think is maybe possible for someone to take that record? Well, it's very interesting. I always used to say that... Major limitation once you get that good at it is how fast you can physically move the cards between your hands. A lot more things are done online nowadays, so you're just tapping a button to move a picture. Mm-hmm. I like the old-fashioned with a with a solid pack of cards. It's not something I've practiced for a long time because I've just been playing memory league. But mm-hmm. I always I always say it's a good thing to retain the traditional pack of cards. I can see there are many very good arguments about it. They say like. A certain percentage of people in the world, I forget what it is, have arthritis, which makes it difficult to do that kind of thing. There's other problems that you you can have with it. It's not fair to make people rely on anything physical to memorise things. I just like the fun of watching people flicking through a pack of cards as quickly as possible. Mm. I think it's a nice tradition to maintain. Do you think the world champion who got around 14 seconds is using a different technique or radically different technique and people still using a similar system to you? Is Everyone uses the same basic technique. It's all about transforming images into pictures and visualising them along a mental journey. I don't think anyone does anything particularly different to that. There are some people who prefer what they call the person-action-object method where you know one card involves a person, the next is that person doing something, the third is an object that they're doing it to. I've never liked that myself. It doesn't work for me. I think it's because I have no 
ability to tell different people apart. So mm-hmm. if I visualise a person, I'm visualising the kind of thing that that person would normally do. Mm-hmm. So if I was to force a different action onto them, I can't remember who the person was in the first place. Mm-hmm. But that's just me being weird. For a lot of people, person-action-object works better. But those are the basic techniques that everybody uses. It's just some people have ways of doing it much faster than others. You said in normal life you're actually particularly known for being pretty forgetful with names and faces. Do you think your, your memory outside of competitive memory is actually maybe even worse than average? You I would say my memory is a lot worse than average, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I suck at remembering things. Mm-hmm. I, I possibly have, get paranoid about this because, as I mentioned to you earlier before we started filming, my brother's staying with me at the moment. He has an amazing memory. He can remember like everything we said and did in our childhood when we were very small, where we went, what we watched on TV, all that kind of thing. I completely blank on that. And so I feel paranoid about having a much worse memory than my own flesh and blood mm-hmm. when I'm supposed to be the world memory champion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally speaking, I forget what I've said I'm going to do. I forget, I forget people's names all the time, but I forget all kinds of little details like that. I need frequent reminders. Do you think there's any connection then between the fact you've been world champion three times and you think your memory is quite bad? Was, did you think it was bad at any point when you were younger and thought, <laughs> I want to learn this to improve it? Or is this just a random coincidence? It's just a random coincidence, I think. I thought you were going to say, do you think my memory is too full up with packs of cards and things that I can't remember anything else? Which, <laughs> which would be a good question, but I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. But no, I never had a. I was never famous for having a particularly bad memory. It certainly wasn't something I thought of. Perhaps if I do this, I'll have a better memory. Mm. The problem is we call it memory. That's the name of the competition. But it's a very, very, very specific kind of memory. You're learning to learn specific things. It doesn't really spread out and improve your memory in other things unless you sit down and specifically work on that. That's what I always say. A lot of people disagree with me. Mm. Has And, and you said a minute ago that um, you think you don't think it's really affected your life outside of competing too much, your memory skills. So no way it's affected anything else at all, your work or anything? No, I don't think it has. Um, I'm sorry to say that because a lot of people who give memory lectures, sell books and things, they're always very upset with me when I say this, but I don't feel that it impacts real life at all. I'm an accountant or a financial analyst or something like that. And whenever I say that, people say, oh, well, you see numbers. I say, but I don't memorise numbers as part of my job. They're sitting there on a screen in front of me. Mm. I play about with Excel. I move them from one place to another, but I don't have to remember anything. Mm. Yeah, there's no need to memorise anything. How about, have you ever tried your hand at blackjack, (laughs) card counting, or any casino-related stuff? Card counting is a different skill. I can do it a little bit. I'm not an expert. It's... It's all the same kind of thing. It's just keeping count of what cards have been played or, or, you know, keeping track of what number of high cards, low cards. It's, it's not as infallible as people think. People think if you learn that, you can go to Las Vegas and clean up. There have been films about it. I'm sure there have been lots of people who've read that, seen those films, thought that, gone to Las Vegas, lost all their money. I'm sure they make <laughs> Las Vegas make lots of profit out of the whole idea. Honestly, I like Vegas. It was my favourite holiday destination. I've not been there for donkey's years. I do like to play blackjack. Mm-hmm. I've never tried card counting properly in a casino. It takes all the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to just sit there and play blackjack. And it's one of those games, it's sort of almost a loss leader for casinos. You are going to at least break even if you play halfway sensibly most of the time. So it's a good way to go and have fun. Do you have any other unusual skills or hobbies apart from <laughs> memorisation? 
Memory is the main thing. I play a few board games. Othello is my main one. Mm. Apart from that, I don't know. I suppose I have other weird hobbies. I can just can never remember what they are when someone asks. <laughs> do you have any hobbies or um, what? I mean, what do you like to do in your spare time that isn't maybe unusual? So you said you some gaming. Is there anything else you'd like to particularly do? Play games. I like. I play that on the internet. I read books. I've got. I've got old video games. I like to play. Sega Mega Drive and Master System. I don't think technology has ever advanced beyond the wonders it achieved back in the mid-1990s with those games. Mm. I've got a Nintendo Switch now. I play a few games on that, but only the retro kind. <laughs> How do you think your, your um, family and friends would describe your, your skills and maybe you as a person? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think it's, I've been doing it for so long now, people just accept it as being part of what I do. I mean, I've been doing memory for 20 years now, 20 years plus, in fact. So <laughs> apart from friends dating back to school and things, there's not that many people who remember me before I was a memory person. And I wanted to ask you about some of your kind of competitive experience. So what was it like competing? What's the kind of atmosphere like at these, these competitions, especially the, the World Championships? Oh, it's fantastic. There's nothing like it. It's, I am missing it because I haven't been to a World Championship for many years now, but in the glory days it's it was a very friendly thing that's the thing about memory competitions they tried to play it up sometimes in documentaries and things as being a heated rivalry hated com- opponents and things but no everyone there is is very social very friendly we sit around drinking if we're not you know memorizing the next day talking nonsense and you know cheerfully discussing the techniques and things we use there's no secrets behind that it's more of a social thing than anything else. I think that's what kept me interested in memory competitions as long as I did. Yeah, two guests, two, um, two guests ago, I spoke to someone who's uh, the UK reigning Rubik's Cube champion. And it seems that the Rubik's Cube community and kind of competitive um, spirit is very similar. They're all very egg each other on and uh, it's like a friendly, friendly, yeah. different to a lot of other things. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's more of a friendly competitive I don't know I think maybe it's because it's so low-key sort of an amateur kind of thing I mean they have in the past been big money prizes I've been very grateful to the people who provided them but I still see it as more of a friendly event where like-minded people get together for a holiday Mm. sit around memorizing numbers and cards and things Mm. you say people are like-minded is there a certain kind of personality or or person that gets interested in this that you see there or is there a Lots of different kinds of people at these competitions. There are lots of different kinds of people. I think it attracts the uh, nerdy type more than anything else. I'll bet you there's a fair few Star Trek fans among memory people. <laughs> I haven't done a survey or anything, but I think it attracts that kind of person. Mm. You know, other people disagree. I, a friend who I was just thinking about recently, he's a psychology teacher or something. He thinks psychologists would be most particularly interested in this because. Mm. I don't know, it ties in with the kind of thing they do, mm. other people. But really, it's just, you have to be a little bit eccentric. You have to want to sit down and work on a fairly useless skill that's not really going to get you anywhere in life, if you're honest with yourself. <laughs> how, do you, how did you used to prepare for these competitions in terms of, would you, I mean, would you exercise? What was your practice like? Would you meditate or try any techniques to get yourself focused what are any ways you used to prep or is it quite relaxed there are many people who do that as you can see i'm not really the exercise type the amount of flab on me these days it's shocking but (laughs) (laughs) but no preparation for competitions was just 
over a weekend sitting down and doing a lot of memorization. And apart from that, I thought the most important thing is to be in a happy frame of mind. Um, you did mention you've watched The Mentalists, which I think was the best documentary everyone's ever made about the World Memory Championships. And they said, my important part of the preparation was to go out drinking with my brother. There's a great shot of us singing karaoke. <laughs> that is the kind of thing you need to do. Mm. Just relax, be in a happy frame of mind. Make sure you've done the practice as well. But I don't believe in meditation. I don't believe in eating a special diet. I've, I actually have strong belief in eating exactly the kind of food that you like to eat things that taste good. That way you're in a happy frame of mind. Your brain works better. You can memorize better. That's the Ben Fridmore theory on junk food. That's interesting. So just treat it like a normal day. Do exactly what you want and then you won't overthink it and you'll be relaxed. And exactly. And, yes. Yeah. Overthinking is probably the worst thing you can do mm-hmm. in these competitions. So would that make you quite uncommon at these competitions? You say most people are a lot more focused and rigid with everything. There are you, people yeah. who do strict, rigid training. Mm. Some people sit down before the competition, get their brains monitoring devices, alpha rhythms or something. Dominic O'Brien was always keen on pushing those. I don't know if he actually did it himself, but he liked to talk about it anyway. I've never thought about it that way myself, but there are people who do. It's just what it's just the same basic principle, but they're doing what they think gives them an advantage. And if they've got that mindset, then they'll do well in the competition. And is it enabled you to travel quite a bit around the world? Where have some of these competitions been held? That is the great thing about memory competitions. The number one thing I always say, I counted them up. I've been to 17 countries specifically for memory purposes over the years. 17. 17 countries, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can remember them all now. Let me try and plan them out. I've been to Ireland for a really cool TV show. I've been to Spain for a wonderful thing, uh, advert for the Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao. I've been to France for competitions. I've been to Germany. I've been to Austria. I've been to Switzerland, where I was an exhibit in a modern model, modern art exhibition. That's one of the, of the coolest things I've ever done. I've been to Turkey, um, Sweden, Denmark. Let's say let's move across to Asia. I've been to China, Korea. China was TV shows and World Memory Championships a couple of years. Korea was a competition. Japan, I've been to twice for wonderful TV documentaries. Malaysia for the World Memory Championship in 2003. That was the first time I'd gone to an exotic overseas location like that. It was wonderful. That was just after I'd got my new system up and running as well. And I came third in the competition. It would have absolutely amazed everybody if someone else hadn't sort of done slightly better and come second with a new system. Let's see, what have we got up to 13? Was there somewhere else in Asia I've not mentioned yet? I'm losing track. I've also been to Canada for a competition. I've been to the USA for various competitions and other things. I've been to Brazil for a TV show. That was absolutely wonderful. Rio, they flew me out there. I've memorized a pack of cars exactly as well as you saw me memorizing one earlier. I went home, I had a fantastic holiday on the beach. I've only got up to 16, I knew that would happen. Where else have I been? <laughs> Don't worry, hopefully you remember that. It'll come back point. to me. And so what was it like when you were competing? Were you particularly nervous or excited or how did you feel when you were doing it before and afterwards? I never felt nervous at competitions. Other people said they can't get as good results in competitions because they're nervous. With me, it was the opposite. When I got into a competition, I'd have the... Ad- 
I'm, I'm losing the ability to pronounce simple words, sorry. Take your time, no rest. People say I talk very quickly. I've never noticed that myself, but perhaps I do rattle on a bit. And I stumble over words once I've got talking. But what I was saying was, when I get into a competition, I've got the adrenaline flowing somehow. I've got the excitement. I tend to get much better results than I did at home, quietly, in practice. Just because I'm sort of memorising for a real purpose to win this competition. Other people say it was the other way around for them. Perhaps it's just the way my mind works, but it certainly worked well for me in the end. What was it like when you returned home and went back to your job after each of these competitions? Is it weird settling back into normal life or almost? It can be a bit dull. I mean, because it's, it's a social thing more than any, but anything else. But so it's the same as if you've gone on holiday with a bunch of good friends and then you're coming back home to the office with annoying people. <laughs> it's always a bit of a drag, but it's all right. Mm-hmm. I've, always, I've usually been lucky enough to be in jobs where I actually like the people I work with. So mm-hmm. It's a bonus. <laughs> it's out all right. Have you got many plans or any plans to, to travel regarding your skills anymore to any of competitions or, or places? Well, that's the whole thing. Obviously, there's been no travel for the last couple of years, thanks to the general stupidity of the human race, but <laughs> things are starting to pop up again. There are competitions being held in Germany, in Sweden, and I might well go along to one of those. It would be nice if there were more TV shows want to drag me around the world somewhere. Mm. I think the flow of those is sort of ebbing off now. I've been amazed it's carried on so long, to be honest, because like I say, 2009 was the last time I was really top of the world. But people out there still think, this Ben Fredmore, he must be really good. It says world memory champion, let's have him on the show. But mm. it's been quite a while since then. The last time anyone actually wanted me on proper TV was Britain's Got Talent, God help us. Mm. But <laughs> I think that's maybe killed me off completely. I feel like a Netflix show could be quite good. I, don't I know think so, there should be more than that. Hopefully it's about that. time they made another nice documentary about memory championships. We'll have to try and get them properly up and running. I always used to organise competitions. I organised the first friendly memory championship in 2006. They were an annual thing for many years after that. And I've been saying I ought to start them back up again. Very small scale things, just a few dozen or so British people travelling from around Europe, sometimes a bit further afield, come and memorise just for one day. Mm-hmm. And it's just a social get-together. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully I'll be running a few more of those and then maybe reciprocate by going over overseas to other people's competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a great Netflix show on... Um the best people in the world are at Rubik's Cube called Speed Cubers, and I feel like an equivalent for mem- memorization would, would, would do pretty well on that. I so. think it would. The thing is, I haven't got Netflix, so I never get to see things that are on. The- there was a documentary about memory, I think it was on Netflix. I can't remember what it was called a few years ago. Hmm. Can't remember. I on, wasn't on, in it. On memorization, there was a Netflix. Yeah. Show. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember what it was sure. called. Yeah. I really, I w- did my memory, I tell you, it sucks. I'll, I'll have to look it up. But you have been on a few different media um, things I've seen online. So you've mentioned that documentary. You t- you're telling me just before we started shooting, though, you think your favourite performance ever was actually on a music video with D- DJ Shadow. So my absolute favourite thing I've yeah. ever done, yeah. my absolute favourite thing I've ever done was Scale It Back by DJ Shadow. Mm-hmm. The producers, a pair of wonderful guys called, let's see, Ewan Jones, Morris and Casey Redmond, I think. See, I even remember their names. probably, contacted me. They said, what we'd like to do is make a film of one of your memory journeys that you used to memorise a pack of cards with live actors and puppets and things and make that into a music video. And it was such an amazingly weird thing to want to do. 
I said yes, and apparently DJ Shadow liked the idea when they pitched it to him, and it turned out as the video to hit the single release of Scale It Back. He's not really a singles kind of person, he's a albums kind of guy, and I don't think the single scraped the charts in this country. I have an idea it got to number 93 in Belgium or something like that, but mm. <laughs> it's still it's quite a cool piece of music, actually, mm. even if you don't watch the video. But the, making the video was sensational. We, we went to a abandoned shop in Cardiff, I think it was, and we could move around the back storage rooms and onto what used to be the shop floor. There was a set of escalators which made a great background. So we went all around that. We had actors dressed up in weird costumes, like my people. We had puppets. We had a giant snake occupied by people in ninja masks. We had a wonderful monkey. The puppeteer of that, Toby Philpot, you know, he was the left arm of Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? It's such a cool thing to see. I've met half of Jabba the... Well, a third of Jabba the Hutt. There was another one lying down in the tail. But, <laughs> you know, it's such a cool thing to do. There were puppets. There was an actual eagle owl that they brought in. He was cool. He just sat there squawking at us. Mm. Where was that shot? Where did you travel to for, for It that? was in Cardiff, I think. It was somewhere in Wales anyway. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Cardiff. It might have been Newport. I'll have to look it up. I say that a lot. Mm. <laughs> Hopefully you can remember to look it up. <laughs> Um, so that was the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I mentioned another cool thing just a while ago when I went to Switzerland. I was an exhibit in a modern art exhibition. The idea was I would go there and I memorised the names of, of the artists and the exhibitions they were putting on. And I'd sit there and recite them to people and tell them how I remembered it. It's some kind of statement about how art is reduced to information. I didn't understand it myself, but that's modern art for you. The guy was called Ruben Grillo, I think his name was, Spanish, possibly. But the important thing is they flew me out to Basel. I sat there in this modern art exhibition. I was a piece of modern art. So that's another great thing to boast about. Mm. Wow, that's cool. That's very cool. So I just wanted to go back um, to something I wanted to ask you earlier, which was, could you tell me why you think you're so good at this? Like you say, it's obviously a lot of practice and you've developed a good system, but is there anything about you that actually helps? that made you so good or is it really just practice? I think I was just lucky. I got into it before other people got into it. There were very few people participated in world championships in those days. I started way back in the year 2000, so I had a bit of a head start on that. I was developing my system late 2002, early 2003, before anybody else was really seriously working on doing such an extensive system as that. I was the first to come in and really move on to a another level from what people were and that gave me a heads up over everybody else so that's the reason why I won I think is really just getting in on the ground floor and staying ahead of other people until you know I'd won it sometimes I couldn't keep up the motivation to keep improving other people got better than me mm-hmm. and better and better and better and the standard now is a million times better than it ever was in my day mm-hmm. so I look back and laugh at the kind of things I did that made me world memory champion and the idea that you come in to the world memory champion and do exactly that now you wouldn't scrape the top 50. You say it's just timing though but I is this correct I read online that people some people said that you've got an IQ of 159 <laughs> is that correct? It is technically correct possibly yeah. like you... I say I joined I think I mentioned earlier I joined Mensa when I was 17 mm. I said that to you before the interview actually didn't I I joined Mensa when I was 17 I was at university here in Kingston I might have been 18 come to think of it but um and when I say here and took my head back, mm. I'm gesturing in the general direction of Waterloo Station, which is where you get a train to Kingston on Thames. Mm. 
I've got a bit sidetracked. I joined Mensa mm. because I thought it would be interesting to see if I could. I did get 159, which apparently is a high score. It tests fairly around the world in different countries and different kinds of tests. But that's a half-decent kind of score to get. It gets you into Mensa. I had a membership card that I used to flash around mm. to people. That's about the only benefit I got from Mensa, except that it was what led me to learn about the World Memory Championships in the first place. So it must have been helpful then. You do have a general I don't think a, of intelligence. I don't think a high IQ in that sense is any use to anybody at all. It just means you can pass IQ tests. I could teach people to get a high score on a standard IQ test pretty easily enough. You just have to recognise certain patterns to it, learn basic principles. I would say that at least 50% of the people in the world could get into Mensa if they really sat down and tried. So it's not a very exclusive achievement. Okay, and what, what was it that made you want to become an accountant? How long have you been an accountant for as well? Oh dear, accountancy. <laughs> Nothing made me want to become an accountant. Nothing really makes me want to do anything. Memory is sort of an exception to that rule. I saw it and I thought, oh, I'll try and do that. And even then I sort of drifted into it more by accident than anything else. Accountancy I completely drifted into by accident. I went to university here in Kingston-on-Thames. I'm going to say here because I think everywhere near London is the same place because I'm a northerner. But um, I went to university in Kingston-on-Thames. I was studying French and German. I applied European languages, which was a stupid decision because maths was what I was always good at at school. I dropped out after that. Didn't like it at all. Sort of bounced around being unemployed. Found my way into a training centre. They t gave me an NVQ in accountancy as something that they thought I might want to do. So I said, yeah, OK. I got a job as a trainee accountant and I sort of stuck with it ever since then. When I got, when I first started, we had a useless old system, but we just got Excel on computers in the office, which is another thing that young people like you can't begin to understand. But there was like one computer between three of us in the office when I started as a trainee accountant. It expanded pretty quickly after that, but once I learned how to do Excel, I found I picked that up quicker than most people do. I never quite understood why. All you have to do is read the instructions and learn how to do it, but nobody wants to do that. So mm. I became an Excel expert. That sort of drifted me into financial analyst kind of roles mm. by being the only one who knew how to do the pretty basic things you can do with Excel. Mm. And I've stuck with that ever since. So you drifted into accountancy, you drifted into learning memorization <laughs> stuff. You're pretty relaxed then with doing what kind of comes your way. You're not, you don't seem much of an overthinker. I don't overthink things. I meander through life, bumbling around, being a complete idiot, and things always seem to work out for me. Don't ask me why. I'll probably come a terrible cropper one of these days, but it hasn't happened yet. And if I'm 45, you know, if, I'm, if it happens I'm 45 now, I've had a good run. If I end up dead in a gutter net tomorrow, I've still had a pretty decent life, all in all. Do you have many plans for the future? The <laughs> I don't plan for the future. Yeah. Things, things will happen, I'm sure. Yeah. But I don't know what will happen. Mm. I'm hoping people get in touch with me and say, hey, do you want to come and do this? And I'll say, yeah, sure. Mm. That's how I get most of my jobs, you know. People phone me up and say they've heard of me, I've worked with them before or something. I'm terrible at job interviews. I never get a job from a job interview. I normally go to an agency, I get a temp job from someone who needs someone to come and do something immediately and I sort of stick there forever. Mm. Or alternatively, someone I've worked with before calls me and says, want to come and work for us instead. Mm. That's how I get every single job. So who knows what the next one will be, but it'll be something like that. Why, why do you not think you perform well in job interviews? I'm terrible at that kind of thing. I can't do all the things that they say you have to do. You have to sell yourself. 
I don't think I'm particularly good at all. I have no useful abilities at all, and I tend to say that at job interviews, and for some reason it doesn't go down very well. So you're honest. I'm honest, yes. (laughs) That's the problem. People call me humble, which isn't true at all. I generally believe I'm no use at anything. And I think the facts back me up on that. Yeah. Apart from the World Memory Championships, that's pretty Apart from the World Memory Championships, but that's just a stupid thing that has no bearing on real life at all. I like, I noticed this in the documentary as well, you're quite happy to joke about and, and call this memorization stuff silly and i'm intrigued by the rest of people in the community is everyone quite relaxed and, and will, will joke about it or are some people very serious and they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want to put themselves down that way although it's light-hearted you know like some people take it more so well everyone takes it more seriously than i do but some people are a lot like me they like to joke about how stupid the whole thing is a lot of people don't like that at all they think it's a really serious noble calling mm-hmm. and they work hard on it and they frown at me and when i they like to make money out of it, which I've never really seen the point of personally. Mm-hmm. If people ask me to do a TV show or something, I don't really don't ask for any money. Mm-hmm. And if I do get someone pleasantly surprised, when there's people in the memory world who say that's a horrible thing to do, you have to ask lots of money so that we'd all get lots of money from it. But mm-hmm. I don't get it. And that people who have that kind of attitude take it more seriously. They don't like to hear me say it's a silly thing. Mm-hmm. It's a waste of time. But I'm sorry, people, it is a silly thing and it is a waste of time. Would you recommend that anyone gets into it then? Or I would heartily time? recommend that everyone yeah. gets into it, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun, if you have a certain mindset at least. I'm sure you'd like it, you seem like the kind of person. You sit down, the great thing about memories, you can achieve great things. You look at a pack of cards, you think I'll never learn to memorise that. You learn the basic systems, you sit down and do it. You can do it, anybody can do it. And that's a great achievement. And you find every time you do it, you get a little bit faster, you get a little bit better. It's very rewarding. It's fun. What's the best way for someone to get into it and start learning? Just grab a book and, and get going? Or is grab a book, yes. Yeah. That's what I always say. Although that was back in the late 1990s. There was the, a thing called the internet nowadays. I suggest you go online and look it up. Mm-hmm. I noticed online that you, you have a book out as well, actually. It's called How to Be Smart. How to Be Clever. How to Be Clever, sure. It's Tell not me. really a book. Yeah. It's, it's something I put together to show publishers what a book by me would be like. I was sort of into writing a book. Many, many years ago, this will have been late 2000s, I think. I don't remember when. But I, it's not a real book. It's something I put together to say, my book will be like this. It will be a bit silly. And it's a sort of, it's, a, it's not big enough to be a book. It's like really, really thin if you ever want to buy it from. But people persuaded me to self-publish it on Lulu. And you can get it on Amazon if you want. You should probably buy it from Lulu. I think I get something like 50p if you do that. And I get tuppence if they, you buy it on Amazon. But people still do. I actually get money sent to me by Lulu for this book, like like a fiver every three months or something, not lots of money, but there are still people out there buying it. I can't imagine why they would. I send it for free to anybody who wants it. You know, give me your email, I'll send you a copy of it on your Word document, and you're welcome. So you're not very money-driven? That's never been a big factor? That's not a factor for me, no. I'd like to be a millionaire, but I don't know what I'd do with it if I would. Mm. I never go out looking for money specifically. So you're not much of a planner, but is there, is there anything that you in, in in these kind of unusual skills area that you'd like to do? You know, one thing I thought was, um, I think it was actually on an episode of Darren Brown where he's, he um, seemingly convinced helped a guy memorize large amounts of information from lots of books. Have you tried learning factual information lots from books and maybe entering yourself in some kind of pub quiz to become you know UK pub quiz champion or something like that? Would you like to do anything like this? It's something I could do, definitely. I know plenty of people have done it before, that's the thing. I'd like to be, to be something a bit more original, a bit different along those lines. 
Um, the systems we use are more useful where there's a finite number of possibilities, like memorizing numbers, cards, there's only a certain number of orders that can come in, a big number, but you can prepare for every eventuality. If you're looking just at general quizzes that could be on anything, it's it doesn't quite work quite so well. You have to do a bit more rote learning, which isn't so much fun, I think. But um, Devon Brown, incidentally, don't believe anything you see on Devon Brown. I've never been a big fan of him. <laughs> it's not it's not his fault, but his whole act is, you know, designed to appeal specifically to gullible people because that's what he does. So he has on his website one time he, for a news update, he said the World Memory Championship is happening this week in London or wherever it was. Devin, of course, isn't allowed to compete because of he's so great. But people reading it believed that, you know, because mm. they're idiots. But it annoys me. <laughs> you, so he wasn't allowed to compete? He was allowed to compete. He, he was allowed to he compete. He just made it yeah. up as a joke. Oh, okay. And the people yeah. who read Devon Brown website believe everything Devon Brown says. Yeah, yeah. I've heard also that he's been banned from UK casinos, but you're sceptical of that. Yeah, that's well. also a lie, very probably. I know people do get banned from casinos in Vegas more than anything else. I think Dominic O'Brien did get a letter saying, please don't come to our casinos, because mm -hmm. he taught a course on card counting, something like that. But like I say, I'm World Memory Championship. I love Vegas. I go there a lot. Mm -hmm. No one's ever banned me. Mm. Vegas is your favourite favorite holiday. How many times have you been there? I'm afraid I don't count. I've been there many, many times. <laughs> can't remember. No, can't remember. First time I went was in 2000, it must have been. There were a gang of us went out there. And I had such a fantastic time. I went back again six months later just by myself, just for the fun of it. And ever since then, I've just loved to go to Las Vegas. There's a hotel there, incidentally. I should probably advertise it where I always stay. It's called the Gold Coast. I've not been there for donkey's years now. I don't think I can still go there. They've got COVID restrictions and things in America, haven't they? But when that's all cleared up, maybe I'll go back because it's been much too long. Mm -mm. What is it about Vegas that you love, um, that you love so much? <laughs> I've said this before in interviews, you've probably seen it, but I love Vegas because it's so artificial, shiny things. It's like, and you probably have to be from Lincolnshire to get this, it's like Skegness only a million times more so. Substitute the seaside resort of your choice in this Margate if you're a Londoner I suppose mm. but it's so shiny and sparkly and glamorous and everything is artificial mm -hmm. it, I love it apart from gambling so do you drink and party much when you're there? <laughs> <laughs> not party so much drinking a bit I like to go to shows in Vegas the Cirque du Soleil have some wonderful shows there I've been to see oh I think two or three times it's the most amazing performance it's worth it it costs a lot of money but it's worth going mm -hmm. So, you know, win a bit on blackjack, pay for the theatre tickets. Mm -hmm. Have you been to any magic shows, David Copperfield or Penn and Teller or anyone like that? No. I went to see Creed and Roy once okay. in Las Vegas. This was about a year before they stopped performing, so I like that. But I've, n I've never been to see any of the really famous... I always... Penn and Teller, I love watching their TV shows, and they do live in Vegas most of the time. But every time I've been there for some reason, I haven't seen the show. They've either been away that week or something. So it's on my bucket list to do, to see Penn and Teller. They're very cool people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are you, are you into magic much? Is there much of a connection between people in the memorization community and interest in magic? I feel like there may be a bit of a link there. I think it attracts the same kind of person, yes. Mm -hmm. I know there are memory people who can do cool card tricks and things. Mm -hmm. Some some guys absolutely blow my mind up these competitions. They take out pack of cards, they do impossible things with them. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not that interested in it myself. I like to watch it. I like to be mystified. Ben, this has been really interesting to speak to you and great. If people want to find out more about you or uh, or read about you or watch, is it best to just Google you online? Are there any specific documentaries or anything you point people towards? Oh, just 
type my name into YouTube or something, you can always find something good. The Mentalists, it was the really good documentary about the World Memory Championship we talked about. Um, there are good books on the subject. I recommend Moonwalking with Einstein by Josh Foer. That was, again, from many years ago now, but it documented what the World Memory Championship circuit was like, and it's a very entertaining story. Um, you want to read my blog, it's not about memory, it's about whatever came into my head on any particular day, it's sueme.blogspot.com. Or just type my name into the internet and see what happens. Look around for Chinese TV, German TV. I've done some great entertaining shows there, Japanese. There's always something fun to find. Ben, thank you so much. It's really great to hear your story and talk to you. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you enjoyed the human podcast, please consider subscribing. I hope to see you soon.